We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. <sighs> I'm your host, David Cameo, <laughs> and I'm with Cosmo Mom Zero Nine, Rachel Burt, Sharon D.A.K. Blazy Gardner, and Survivors Tier member Jasmine. Thank you for coming again for the Walking Dead World Beyond coverage because it's in your time yeah. zone. It also, <laughs> glad to have you. Start putting Fear the Walking Dead in my time zone. Tomorrow, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, uh, if it happens. Yeah, okay. Tomorrow is Sunday. Well, we're talking about the Walking Dead World Beyond's third episode of season two. Wow, they're all, they really are coming all together. Uh, titled Exit Wounds. Well, I feel like we might actually have more to talk about in this episode as things peel back even further to reveal the orange inside the, the fruit mm-hmm. of the loom. <laughs> Although I, I initially thought to myself, how am I going to start talking about this episode? Because part of me is like, well, there's some things to talk about, but I don't really know where to go. Also, I don't even know half the time which episode I'm, ba- I'm about to cover. <laughs> this is like- well, we could start. We could start with the title, Exit Wounds. What does that mean? Why is it called Exit Wounds? Well, I think it's referring to Huck and Dennis and the wounds that were created between them when she left. And I would would like to find out more about what it is that he did, this this big mistake that he made that essentially saved five lives, right? You got to do bad <laughs> to do good. You got to make mistakes to do good. It's becoming your favorite thing to talk about. It's had this not happened, this wouldn't have happened. Yep. And it's really to credit Dennis that they're even out there, that Lila slipped in the last episode talking about, oh... I just let it go that, you know, Hope happened to be a bright individual. Here she mm-hmm. is. Referring to e- exit wounds, though, there's the on-the-nose explanation, which is Percy having been shot. This is like the little reminder that's in the back of our minds that Huck was responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Huck killing a kid? It's one of my, my cardinal sins. <laughs> <Okay>. Trying to, anyway. <laughs> right. Trying to. Ugh. Gross. And then reminding ourselves that, like, Huck just flat-out mutilated Tony, Percy's uncle, who's... Uh, apparently, yes, yeah, sisters. So we did kind of figure out that Percy's last name is Delmato. This is like according to the showrunners and stuff like that. So uh, Percy's uncle, uh, his sister is Percy's mother. Or yeah, there we go. Wait, no. Oh wait. Otherwise, Sorry. otherwise they wouldn't share a last name. My bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, well, that's not necessarily true. If Percy's mother never married, she may have given her child her maiden last name. If she were never married. But we'll I see. have a, I actually have a question now that you guys said something about Huck. She has been in Omaha slash Campus Colony for two years, but mm-hmm. Leo has only been at the facility for a year. So why did they have Huck embedded there already if they didn't even know that they were going to Ooh. want Hope there? Good question. I wonder if Huck being... Uh, station in Omaha slash Campus Colony started out as punishment for whatever she did. To make up for Dennis's mistake, like yeah. to fix it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it so started getting, out now, as one thing and then turned into something else. And it sounds like she was embedded in those colonies to gather intel on the sister cities. Does that jive with everybody? Oh, I hadn't thought about it, but I, yeah, that makes sense yeah, to me. I didn't think about that. But. Basically, Huck is getting briefed by this... Um, Council of the Three, technically, but Kublik is missing. Yeah. Uh, and funny enough, we're mourning Omaha, so this is weird. Some, the sister city is missing. You know, Campus Colony and, and Omaha. So, which I think they consider one ring, right? One of the three rings, because then Portland's another, and then the CR is technically the third ring. Is that 
also jive with everybody, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, so then we see the council of the three. Uh, one of them's mm, Captain Betts, and the other one was, uh, I think it was Lieutenant Morrow, M-O-R-R-O-W. Okay. Okay. Yeah, right? Like, it, that was, like, a, t- that was like, a tough one to read. Like Clay Morrow? from Sons of Anarchy. It was a bad joke. Bad joke. And it seems as though she was embedded there. They kind of just said it on the nose, like, okay. And she got clemency based, you know, your operation bore fruit. You being embedded in this col- these colonies allowed us to find, probably find out about Leo, probably find out about Hope. This might actually bring me to that point I was trying to make before we got on. You've heard of the expression. It actually comes from Kung, Kung Fu, Carradine, um, <laughs> where he says, when when you save someone's life, you're responsible for it. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that going on. And it, there's a little bit of that going on, not only Huck saving, you know, Hope and whomever she could, sort of, <laughs> while destroying other people. It, there, there's also a little bit of that going with um, Elton saving Percy as well. You know, and then what happens as a result of him, his life being spared? Percy's life sort of gets better than it was before, realizing that the world was shit. Because I feel like after this episode, or by the end of this episode, Huck notwithstanding, things start to turn up for him. I don't know how this Elton guy knows what he's doing, but he knows what he's doing. Uh, trusting these people. We're just comparing this to recent events, right? Because when Percy was with Tony, I think things were pretty peachy. <laughs> but they had to do a lot of bad to be peachy. Well, like, yeah, right? yeah. The but, world is shit it, and we have to do bad. They figured out how to make the world work for them, and, and they did. They made it work until they crossed our group and then we're like, oh, shit. But yeah, like recently <laughs> things have not terrible. been going very well for Percy. But before he met us, I think him and Tony were pretty happy. <laughs> I mean, considering, considering the world. Instead of murdering and robbing people, they made art instead. And you know what? Okay. I hadn't thought of this really that well beforehand, but you're right. They're, they're like the biggest hypocrites because at their nature... They're performers, but what is a performer without a crowd? No, no one. No, they're nothing. Right? Yeah, you got to so have an like, audience to perform to. And so you can't. How long can you keep this jig up? Right. This this whole idea of uh, of doing what you do, being a con man without the audience to appreciate your con, you know, or or at the very least your puppet show, or Percy going out of his way to cut out art books to make this interestingly elaborate why on earth in the apocalypse elaborate display of a museum like oh the Louvre to be more precise, Mm -hmm. how he goes against his nature to show appreciation for saving him, Mm -hmm. uh, for Iris saving him, technically, or whatever. But what do you guys think of that? Like, there's a weird, like, you're, okay, you may talk and say the world is shit, Percy, but you're, like, still doing dumb beforehand shit. Yeah, I think Percy was doing whatever he could to get him some. (laughs) (laughs) But he still takes care of Elton, in a sense. Like, why are you even with Elton? I mean, is that your best chance of survival? Does he? Does he take care of Elton, or does Elton take care of him? Yeah, either either yeah, or. Either or. He's, the, he's the one that's hurt. I don't think he'd make it without Elton right now. Well, I mean, it's it's an odd, weird relationship, because Percy's being very forthcoming with Elton. He could have just kept all that intel to himself, but he spoke it out loud. All the yeah. stuff that he spots in Asha and Dev's camp, he could have just kept it himself. It goes, I'm just going to go get their shit. I'll be right back. No, but he goes <laughs> to the bother... If he wasn't, like, aligned with Elton in any way, he wouldn't have gone through the bother of saying why all these things are significant. Like, why mm-hmm. give the, the trick? Like a magician giving away his tricks. That's not what you do. I, I don't know. It just makes me think out loud a little bit. No, you're right. About- you're, you're absolutely he- right. No, I'm just going through it with you because I sometimes think, why is this guy with him? 
if that's what he's about, right? Because you have to kind of think he's been doing this for 10 years. <laughs> so yeah. what, what shakes somebody out of that? The opportunity to, to have an, a crowd, an audience, to be with people, to grow your ranks. What is that? And so I, I do see things improving for Percy. He's now embedded in a community. Like, I know things change at the end of the episode, but I feel like all of this has showed him... I mean, it doesn't have to be that way, Percy. Look at what you just stumbled into with just a little bit of a... And I know, Percy's essentially fucking right. He's essentially fucking right. But maybe! (laughs) And so the maybe is what's probably going to fuck with him. But then Huck comes in and may ruin all of that. We don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I just, I just, just <sighs> going back to the main point, the opportunity to have a crowd for Percy is what changes him. It's like, oh, oh, this is kind of cool. This is kind of cool. Why didn't we have this before? We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this, but it was just irritating. The whole scene between Iris and Percy. Now, Grant, yes, I realize I'm biased. Mm. I can't stand either one of them. So I will start by saying that. My opinion may mean nothing here, but she's trying to fix him all up when the fucking medic is coming to take care of him anyway. Get your hands off him, Iris. He doesn't need you. And he, furthermore, he doesn't need to take off his entire damn shirt just to get to a wound that's over here. Like, lift the fucking shirt up. Oh my god. Ah! Okay, now we have to deconstruct this. Stupid kids. Wait, we have to deconstruct this just a little bit. Because what is it? Why does this bother you so much? I, I get it a little because you don't like Iris, period. I don't right? like either what? one of them, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, wow. Okay, two people. Rachel hates, I think, is what the word is, right? I, that's a strong word. I, I'd like, I try to reserve that strong of a word for when it's appropriate. I just don't like these two. I'm stumbling in the dark here. <laughs> it's like, okay. So what is it that you like? No, uh, so I, that's no, why I had so to what, start what, with. I just don't like these two. So everything that happened, I just didn't like. I just so, found the entire so, thing completely unnecessary. I get. I think that's my beef with it. And just, just in there to to get Percy to take his clothes off, and it, I, I found it a waste of time. I, I disagree. <laughs> oh, I think the point of the scene was to show that Percy's changed because he clearly wasn't interested in what Iris had to say during that whole scene. That was like fully. Iris like trying to be flirty and he just wasn't having it. But I think past Percy would have been like all over that. Oh, okay. You saw you saw disinterest from his end. Okay, I I I did not, but that's interesting. I didn't we either, see, but I like different that you things. Saw that. Is it like a facial feature? Was he just like well, yeah. what was it about it? He just didn't look happy at all. He didn't <laughs> look like he wanted to be there. Hmm. And like he he didn't speak back much. Like he, it wasn't really much of a conversation until towards the end. He's fixated on taking out Huck. I mean, he mentions it like three or four times through the episode. Exactly. How much he hates Huck. He doesn't give a crap he's, about any of the rest of them. He's he's like tunnel vision on mm-hmm. like killing Huck and not really interested in girls and doing other things at the moment. <laughs> he should be focused on something other than girls right now. <laughs> Well, we're focused on girls, just not in that manner. Well, yeah, just not in a romantic (laughs) way. (laughs) That's true. Guys, guys, I think think we... Yes, exactly! I I think we just found the new hate thing. (laughs) I'm thinking the same thing. I just threw threw my pen at the screen. Where did my pen go? (laughs) I want to focus on the unnecessary part, though, really, because... We get we do get wrapped up in so many different things on this show, on the on these shows and sometimes it does bother me when we when I see something that is contrary to say survival or something that threatens the idea of what we should be doing to survive but then I wonder 
what if there are things that we are trying to do to make our lives brighter or more tolerable? And that could be seen as a form of survival. So like when Iris has this scene with Percy, I see very much awkwardness, right? Well, that's what I saw. I saw like an awkward, like, uh, maybe, you sh- maybe you should take your shirt off and so I can get to the exit, exit wound. You know yeah. exactly what she says. And uh, it, it's no different than like, because the medic's not going to see Percy till the morning. So and he's comfort. been out in the wa- in the wild dealing with this for weeks now. What what's yeah. what's one more Actually, day going to make a that, difference? How how long has it been though? Well, I, they I say they say it's it been days, like days since they've eaten. Well, we know it's been days since they've eaten, but did they bring it? Was there did they have food? Do we know when the last time they ate was? I feel like oh well, the ate the eaten part is one thing, but how long have they been on the road since Silas sacrificed know, himself? Yeah. I feel like it's only been a couple days. Okay, maybe so what's one more? So what's maybe one not more? Even a week. Yeah. What's babe? Wait, holy shit! You know what? Do you know what you just stumbled into? What's one more day? In one day, Omaha was destroyed. In one day, Dennis made a mistake or something like that. But then, in also in one day, the whole world changed too. Well, sure, sure. So, but if if a if a herd of walkers come through, it's not going to matter if his exit wound is clean or not. They're all dead anyway. <laughs> Or like a truck coming in, plowing the rest of them through, like Dennis's truck, particularly. But, but, <laughs> I, but, but I, I guess I mean no. But these are interesting philosophical questions because, okay, what is you know what is one more day? We can easily say that because we this is our every day. What is one more day? Every day seems like the last, mm-hmm. but in this world, every day isn't like the last. Your number could be up at any moment. So. This is like the love the one love the ones you're with kind of argument. Like, okay, love the ones you're with while you have them. Mm-hmm. And so, I if we have to look at it from Iris's point of view, or at least listen, or at least try to. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure, Iris is like, sure. I thought you were dead. I'm not going to take you for granted. We had this heart to heart, and and whether or not we know definitively whether Iris has feelings for Percy or Percy has feelings, with, we definitely know that Percy. I think right, Percy has feelings for Iris. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Does it? I feel like we know more on that front than we do on Iris's feelings for Percy. I feel the opposite, but yeah. Did you see her face <laughs> in that oh, scene? Oh, oh, I'm not talking about this episode. I'm talking about previously. Oh, okay, right, right. Sorry, I didn't make that very clear. But in this episode, it seems the opposite. Like, as Jasmine pointed out, that it seems more like Percy is less interested and Iris is more interested. Again, reversals again. We're going from where we were to where we are. Okay. All right. No, I, I see. Okay. I see what you're saying. And looking looking back at season one, it does appear that way. However, I always thought his interest in Iris was more for show, more about gaining trust than it was genuine feelings. I never really got the impression that, I mean, maybe he, you know, he might have liked, liked her a little bit, but I think he amped it up a little bit to to build trust faster. But I think I think Iris was all in. I think she saw him and was like heart eyes, bunk 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 bunk. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, that, and that kind of makes sense because <laughs> Percy is, especially as far as compared to them, he's a man of the world. I mean, he's been around and been seen places, and I'm sure he's been with other women. Whereas Iris is naive and young, <laughs> and you know her you know, first love kind of thing or whatever. And so she's all starry eyed and he's like, yeah, I, I got other yeah. shit to worry about. <laughs> I got, what's that, what's that song? I got girls at every state in every state. There's a country song about I got, it. I got hoes in every area code. <laughs> there's, there's that one too. Yeah. 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 Maybe that just goes to show. It makes sense on paper that that would be the case. However, where are those, where are those girls right now? Probably dead. <laughs> 
But but why? Because well, it makes you think. Why? Why? Well, I mean, Did, he's, he said he was Tony... in Florida. I mean, maybe they're still in Florida. Maybe he's just they've just roamed around. You know, I mean, there are other people out there. There are other settlements. They can't be the only ones. Are there across <laughs> the entire country? I'm sure there has to be. Well, oh, yeah. Alexandria is one. Alexandria is a perfect example because Alexandria exists in the current timeline. Oh, and the you hilltop know, you know what, and Meridian. You know, you know what mm-hmm. you just did, right? You just stumbled into a gray, just a dark place because we're finding out that places like these are the exception. Meridian, for even however little long a time it was able to last, is the exception. The world, 10 years later, the, the rule is stuff that Maze has done to other people. The rule is the ferals. The rule is ruthlessness beyond compare or well, just I, and most things being dead or etched into the landscape or horrific or you know people being I, absolutely insanely cruel to other people of course but at the same time there are literally like five settlements in virginia so i'm sure in the entire state of florida there is a collection of settlements throughout the state or in georgia there's still settlements through. I mean, Virginia can't be the only place that has five settlements in it. After what I've seen, I, I feel like it's becoming more and more clear, <laughs> like especially after the nuclear explosion down in Texas, okay? <laughs> it just seems more and more clear that anything that's left is an, a, a vast exemption, exception to a... Because the hilltop's done. Alexandria's almost done. It's done. Not at, Oceanside not may be point. done. Not at this point, because we're still... Wait, Alexandria's almost... Years. Like, two years before, we're still two years ahead of behind Walking Dead here. So Alexandria no, and no. the Hilltop. We're only a couple months uh, to, to. We're only a couple months behind the, the Walking Dead right now. Mm, yeah. No, the Walking no. Dead is at twelve years and six months. This is ten years and six weeks. Yeah. Sort. See, that's the thing. That's what I'm not too clear on. We actually have proof of that, though. Those, no, I those know. numbers can be e- proven. E- but this is this is the point. Even though I will sometimes say, oh, it could be 12 years. I say it could be because the show does this weird thing where like when we pick up oh, 12, 12 years and then we'll say, oh, maybe it's 2008 because we saw the yearbook in World Beyond. We saw Nora's building fell a year later or whatever. And, and the only thing that we know for, for certain, even, even that can be refuted in some ways, but we know for certain that it didn't all happen at the same time. It, the world didn't oh. fall all at once. Right, right. That, that is clear. What isn't clear when it fell for everybody. And even that is a maybe because I don't think the show wants to put a fine point on it. So what I will say, this is the only thing I do know, though. I do know that The Walking Dead World Beyond is only a little bit, uh, just a short amount of time behind the main show. A short, not two years, a couple months. That's so even though we know sort of from here is Negan, right, that it's 12 months in, 12 years in, that's being refuted. Like everywhere, everywhere. See, I, I guess when the when the show puts something out that definitive, I'm not going to argue with it. They they know better than us what they're doing, so I'm going to believe what they are telling us. Even though they tell us two different things, that's the problem. The showrunners have made it clear, even though those these two facts are contradictory. The show is the showrunners have made it clear. The Walking Dead World Beyond is only a short time away from the main show, like yeah. a couple months. Well, that's, short, that's, short these are time two different facts. Can mean two different things to everybody, though. But not, two two years is not a short time. I, You're it, talking in about the, within in a the year. grand scheme of life. Two years is a short 
amount of time. But the apocalypse <laughs> is accelerated. <laughs> to get back to like to to the original point here, I do I do think yeah. that places like Alexandria Hilltop they are exceptions to the rule, like you said. Most most of the country is going to be like the Farrells. However, I agree with Sharon D. and and I would say I think each state would have a few exceptions. Possibly, but but needles and haystacks. I don't know if the show's going to put a finer point on all of this. Probably not, because they like to drive <laughs> us crazy. Yeah, no, but I, I feel like, I hope they do put a finer point on the horrors that are, that are out there, like it, how it's way worse than what we were able to see, which is like, oh my God, we were privileged enough to see people having some sort of humanity. My whole point that Percy was getting some as he was traveling around the country, as that was happening over the progression of years, yes, there were settlements here and there and everywhere that possibly have died out by now. But or just people. In the past 10 that, years, that's a better argument. he has been yeah. getting some and Iris has not. So she's all starry eyed and he's like, whatever. Yeah. I can't trust anything Percy does or says because he's a professional con man. So there, there it is right there. I won't ever fully trust him. His actions will always speak louder than his words. I won't ever trust anything that comes out of his face. I'll say this much. I don't know that I agree with you guys, but I'll keep that in the back of my mind as we move forward because I don't know if I even, I agree with you that he's been getting some, period. Because I keep thinking back to when when the world fell and how old Percy must have been, which is probably about the same age as these kids. I get that maybe he probably came across individual peoples or individual families or found families that they, they might have come across and in the process of trying to con, how much do you have how much time do you have to actually embed yourself to be able to form enough of a relationship-ish? I know that sounds a funny way of saying it, to be able to get that far. I guess it's a way, but I don't know. I keep thinking about him as a boy and what he really wants. What he and this is what I'm kind of angling towards, and what he kind of admits to Iris saying at the end of uh, Shadow Puppets was it? Yeah, that Iris reminds him of the man he wants to become, and it's fitting mm. that at the end of this episode he's with Iris, and is she the woman that she wanted to be to become? And how far away Percy may feel right now to the man he ought to become. I, and maybe he's getting closer through no fault of his own, like being saved by Asha and Dev at the same time. But I, I, I just like to play with these ideas because I don't, I don't know where Percy's at. Like kind of like you, uh, Rachel. How do we trust? Can we even still trust anything Percy says? Yeah. Not sure. And then he has all these dilemmas, all these things like Iris reminding him of the man he should be, even though she seems different. And then also the constant thought of revenge which is not something he probably must have thought of when he was out there. It's all about getting the food, all about conning the people and getting the fuck out. You don't form personal attachments. But it's interesting how he's now the exact opposite. Now he's bent. He's all about the revenge. He, it's not about the con anymore. I just want to say that Elton and Percy were smart enough to tie their horse up <laughs> when they stopped at Asha and Dev's camp. Every other thing in The Walking Dead, when somebody has a horse, when they stop, they just drop the reins and let the horse, whatever. I'm like, no, a walker's going to come, that horse is going to run away, or it's going to get scared and run away. They actually tied their horse up before they walked down to the camp. And I was like, yes, good boys, thank you for tying your horse <laughs> but won't up. That, but won't that ensure that they get eaten? <laughs> like, right? Oh, if they can't run I away? Thought, I, thought you guys, I thought you guys loved animals. What is wrong with you guys? No, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm supposed to be you, the guy who goes, stay put, horse. I don't care if, if you get If you do not leave your, if you I, do not tie your horse up, as soon as a leaf blows under its hooves, it is like running through the forest <laughs> and you're walking, so. Yeah, yeah. Not, not if you put a name tag on it. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Is that a reference to something that I'm not aware of? 
Yeah. <laughs> Before we totally move on, this is just a funny point. We don't even have to talk about it, but Percy notices that Asha and Dev have a Dakota fire pit. I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, is, he says Dakota fire pit? A Dakota what fire is pit? a Dakota fire pit? Funny you should ask. I looked this up. So a Dakota fire I pit. I fell for her trap, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. First time I've snared you. Um, so a Dakota fire pit is a simple fire design in which it produces little to no smoke. So you actually dig two Ooh. holes, and one of them is to sort of draft the air and pull the smoke away. So it's supposed to be like less notice, you know, for hiding, really. So people Did don't you say see less your smoke. noticeable. I see. Meanwhile, they were yeah. noticed because the smoke was blowing up through the trees. That's how they noticed that they, <laughs> well, they were down there. They were right there. Did, I mean, did, did they? Yeah, yeah but as they, they, were, as they were, were coming but, over the hill. You could see smoke pouring up through the trees. Oh, jeez. But well, but they were. That. But it was white. It was white smoke. It wasn't billowy dark smoke. And they were like very close. Very close. It wouldn't be seen yeah. at a distance. That's the thing. Oh, okay. All like, right. Yeah. At a great, yeah. like you know, like Indian smoke signals or something. You know. I'm so, just. I'm just laughing my ass off at the name. Dakota fire pit. I know. Not meant to be noticed. Dakota roaming through camp. I didn't do anything. And she's and she's charcoal now. And she's ash. And now she and now she too is the exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. Very, very noticeably burnt. Beyond um, all recognition of being human. Yeah. The funniest line of the show was when they threw the axe at Elton. He's like, holy yeah. shit, it was turnips. <laughs> do, do you want to know what's funnier about that? Do you want to know what's funnier about that? Where where were we last year? I'm not familiar with the term haul ass. Oh. Now he is. Yeah. yeah. Now, now he is. Now he knows what haul ass means. I just thought that was kind of cute. We got a little a little bit of a fear tie-in because you have turnips that actually made it. Yeah. Yeah. I just got sad. Because <laughs> of the weevils. Tater bug, Aww. blue weevil, what? <laughs> anyway, sorry. My this is like TWU Seption. Yeah. Well, the, t- the, the turnips kind of tie all three shows together, don't they? Like by what you just said. Yeah. Oh my god. Kill me now. Walking Dead random word association game. That'll be fun. <laughs> Guys, what food? What food? I see. There's a trivia question. What food item has made it to all three shows? <laughs> or what organic food? I don't know. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> okay. Beans. I think by the yes, definitely that. But usually in cans. I think we researched this. Is, this is we. This is something we actually researched though. Turnips are the easiest thing to grow, even though they're, they're the grossest thing in humanity. So can you I just eat them? Here. They're not that bad. Can you just eat them raw like well, that? Mm-hmm. Ugh. I, think, I think it'll destroy Ugh. your stomach though. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can eat them raw. Mm-hmm. You'll get you'll get super gassy though. I think. Ugh. Ugh. They're, they're not. I mean, like I said, I grew them one year and I tried them raw. They weren't bad. Tasted kind of like a raw potato. Yeah, that's not good either. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> if you're starving, you know. Yeah. yeah. But that isn't that funny how like, okay, Elton is like, again, he's, he, we're pointing things out about Elton that like, and which Percy does also. Yeah, you were behind walls, you dimwit. <laughs> so it's, they're just turnips. Yeah, they are turnips. It's your life. You got to worry about it. I love that um, Asha and Dev played that trick on Elton and Percy. 
scaring the, the shit out time. of them, putting the masks on with the signs up, and we're all like, oh, oh. I'm like, mm -mm, I'm not, I don't believe it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. But you realize it wasn't really even for them as much as it was for us as the audience. Like, okay, what are we do? What's going on here? What is going on here? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, what are we doing? I thought, I thought they were taking them to Texas. <laughs> right? Right? Okay. And it was a, like for a second, I actually did think that. Well, yeah, because that last yeah. time we saw these radiation signs were in Texas. So it's like, how far have they been traveling? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there there are quite a few nuclear power plants in, in upstate New York, by the way. Yeah, you know, I did a tiny bit of research and then I realized, oh, we have a lot of these. But New York, New York was also responsible for and this. I think this was in, out in Long Island, the uh, Three Mile Island disaster. Mm -hmm. Well, which wasn't as big as a disaster as we thought, but, you know, but it was still a controversy. At the time, uh, Asha and Dev's thing where they're, where she says, Do you think they're empty to Elton? Yeah. And she says, We call them vessels and oh. they still have their, their soul or whatever. Okay. And if you kill them, it sets them free. That was so Sadiq. That was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. yeah I wrote that down as well. I thought that was so. Kind of cool. who, is, who is the Carl here? Uh, uh, Elton. Yeah, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, are you saying, wow. Uh, he almost was, but Tuffy Stitch, right? Tuffy mm -hmm. Stitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. do you notice that the CRM uniforms are basically just really Tuffy Stitch, black corduroy, <laughs> black right? Tuffy Stitch, they are black corduroy. Yeah, I did kind of want to go back to the radiation stuff though, because we did point out Fear of the Walking Dead. We just recently seen it. It airs the same week. Fear of the Walking Dead being this hellish escape sort of thing and then two seasons prior season five with the with the nuclear meltdown why did i want to bring that up because well first of all because of the parallels second because of the nuclear power plants in new york third it is for us it is for us to see this is something i had said in the last episode which you guys both didn't believe me the perimeter is guarding the research facility they were very it, clear about that this episode yes and they showed us how they do it the, mm -hmm. the signs that because in we did have nuclear power plant scares three mile island uh, and then there's indian point which we shut down as well recently so i like how they're bringing new york state of affairs into into this into the show too again and i'll bring another one up later on but i i just like how they're telling us they're showing the audience how this all works logistically i always like it when the show gives us geographical markers or, or has a good sense of geography where we are from which point of view we're seeing somebody and making like double use of of the angles to kind of give us a sense of space but also to give us a sense of where we are in the world so okay so when we see the signs going into the perimeter and then we see the perimeter from a different angle because at first i was like oh are they are they at the perimeter it feels like they're in the set of deadwood for, <laughs> at first and then oh, i realized <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, or okay, or more accurately, <laughs> Humbug's Gulch from Fear the Walking Dead. But it was interesting to see them sneakily bring us into the perimeter from a different angle, and then you see everybody come out kind of like in a Humbug's Gulch kind of arena, and then getting to see the sheriff at the at the front of the gate going, "Huh, I see you there." But that that sort of thing of like of like we're seeing things from a different angle, so we have a better sense of what we're looking at, what we're dealing with. Since we're talking about nuclear stuff, I have a theory that I have been considering about why they took out Omaha and campus and campus colony and possibly Portland. Uh, I did a little bit of research and there are missile silos outside of Omaha in Nebraska. And there's also like an experimental nuclear power plant outside of Portland. So I was thinking possibly Isabel picks up our people in fear and she comes back to the CRM and says, yo, these, these people just set off nuclear bombs in Texas. And maybe that spurs 
the CRM to lock down and protect any of the nuclear sites around. But maybe like for some reason in Omaha, maybe the people in Omaha knew about it and they started trying to prep nuclear weapons. Same thing in Portland. Maybe they have tried to, or maybe they tried using weaponizing the um, nuclear reactor. You know, and since those, I mean, they mm. could do it anywhere. But since those are the two big settlements right next to nuclear missiles and reactors, maybe that's why they took them out. You know, you're making a lot of sense because <laughs> there's a, a a thorn that's been in the back of my mind that I have not resolved, and it was the Omaha guard that crawls up to Kublik and that other guy Mills, mm-hmm. I think. I forget what his name is. At the end of the or at the beginning of the first episode of the season. Mm-hmm. And he looked very radiated or whatnot. So it may not have just been a column. It may have been a meltdown, kind of what you're saying. A meltdown or like a, or a leak, a radiation leak that helped this all, helped these people succumb to whatever was coming or be distracted enough, a distraction from distraction. And so that aided with their downfall, maybe. So maybe you're onto something. I have a question because I don't know. The guy did look like he had gone through something. So my question is how how strong does the radiation need to be or how close do you need to be to it for it to have that result immediately? Isn't usually radiation symptoms happen like over time? So how powerful does it need to be for those signs to show up on your your skin immediately? But you'd have to be in close contact to the irradiated material, like, and it it would have and to it would be have to be strong. really strong too, right? And it would have to produce okay. heat. That that's the point. That's heat. Okay. That's whatever that is, heat radiation. Okay. Times radiation equals that guy. I mean, he could have been down in a silo or something and come in contact. Who knows? But it was just a theory because I was trying to really think about what... Well, I mean, I was thinking about fear, of course. And I was thinking about Isabel picking everybody up and it just kind of progressed from there. Yeah. What do you got, Rach? I, I see, just, it. see I the did, face. I did. I just got really excited when Sharon D said maybe he was near one of those things. Maybe he was near one of those things because because they were venturing out and they found it and they were researching it. And that was part of the reason they, like you just said, that's part of the reason they mm-hmm. wiped him out. And that's why he looks the way he does is because he was there. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my God. I, I got really excited. Our, <laughs> I think we found our guard, or what, what did they say? I think we found our missing. He was your missing, missing something. Missing Delta. Missing Delta or something like yeah. that. Variant, what? So, oh, <laughs> they're missing something. Yeah. Let yeah. or no? Did, she said, "Let Delta know we found they're missing. They're missing yeah, something. Yeah, missing Delta guy. Missing. Yeah. 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 They're missing whatever. Yeah. Or they're. Which oh no, no, mean... they're escapee. That's what she called escapee. them. They're okay. escapee okay. or something. That doesn't feel right either. Something like that. Well, I, either way, that could have even been one of their their own guys too. Yeah, right. It's like he as a reflection official. of Huck. Whew. Well, one of one of the CRM embedded people too. It could be. Why not? Ooh. Why not one of their guys? You know. Well, if he was a CRM uh, undercover spy like Huck, then he would have no business messing around in the Brady the in missile the silos. silos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, now, now we're reaching, but like <laughs> I'm, I'm reaching. Okay, fine. Anything's but possible, no, you, though. You, you bring up you bring up a good point because that maybe the reason was they they could have been a threat, meaning. Mm-hmm. They have this nuclear capability, and so we we had to take them out. And now that they have the experience of somebody doing it in Texas that CRM knows about, yep. because you know Isabel had to go back and say, oh my God, they set off a fucking nuclear bomb in Texas. And maybe we're talking about ideologies, because if the CRM decided, because this is the, na- the way naturally how things go, that they have to embrace some sort of ideology similar to ours, well, which ideology? Teddy's? Mm. <laughs> right? Mm. Teddy's? 
Maybe. Maybe other cults have sprung up that were nuclear cults and they decided to go buck wild and kill the world. Maybe, okay, maybe this goes to a larger point. Who was responsible for the zombie outbreak and who would be crazy enough to use this as a means to bring the country? Because, okay, there have been theories across time, time immemorial, about outbreaks of any variety, tragedies of any variety, where the supposed conspiracy theory, I'm not saying this or that or what specific thing, is that the government just did it so that the people would unite, where the people would get together and we would have cohesion, right? We would, we'd all, if people from all sides of the aisle would cohese, we would all live together in harmony. And so it could be that the CRM knows that that is a possibility again. Like the people will keep doing this sort of bullshit all over again in order to do this. And so they, the fear is, right, Rachel? We got to get them before they get us. That's right. Kill we them gotta, all. We're, we are the light of the world. <laughs> we are the light of the world. We are the ones to survive. We are the walking dead characters who shall not be touched, even though we see <laughs> mirrors and other people, right? But, but it goes to show, yeah. like, it's us against everyone because we are the righteous. Pope, right? Mm-hmm. So do we just have to draw these parallels because they're they're Can like you imagine fractals Pope with a nuclear weapon. Bah. So point to CRM in a way. I'm glad you brought this up because that soldier being that way, looking that way, makes so much more sense. Yep. Boom. I like it. Shall we? Shall I we like move it. on? I like it. Now, now I love. I like. We just dropped a turd, and now we're just gonna walk away. Yep. <laughs> Nobody's gonna clean up after it. <laughs> there it is. Enjoy. This because there's, <laughs> there's nothing else to say. Now we get to come back to it as a thing, like Middletown, New York, being the residence of this place. Okay, so no, that one little fact that was mentioned in this episode, Asha does say my mother founded this. Oh wait, no, it doesn't. It's not contradictory. My mother founded this place before the world fell, but that doesn't mean the residents aren't all from the people that were gathered in the military base where Huck was stationed Mm -hmm. who were about to be executed and Huck saves and brings to this colony, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So, interesting, interesting. Brody may even be one of those people. And he's Mm -hmm. well aware of how crazy people can be when pushed into a corner. And But Indira is the one, the found family is the one who decides this place is worth protecting and maybe the CRM shouldn't be all up in our... Ow. (laughs) Shouldn't be all all up in our assholes. (laughs) <laughs> One more to your point about the Sadiq connection. She says, okay, the vessel's soul is trapped. You're releasing them. The vessel empties, empty vessel. But then why do you put the flowers in their eyes? And she goes, it's like my own personal touch. So it's a little variation on the river sticks, the, the coins on the eyes. Mm-hmm. Charon, the, the, the ferryman of the river sticks. Mm-hmm. But then I thought she said, yeah, it's just a little beauty in the darkness. This is something that we've been saying about this show. I just love seeing the beauty in in the wild, in the darkness. But it goes beyond that. (laughs) It hits on a point that Hope says in the beginning of this episode, which echoes throughout this episode. Why focus on the negative? When there's so much positive. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's just bring a little beauty into all this death. I love how we got to play with that in this episode. It comes up elsewhere. We'll talk about that in a bit. Maybe I can make a small connection to what, what's going on here, though. They're sitting in a sculpture that looks like a caravan wagon that's open, because you see the kind of like the rags blowing in the wind. First of all, okay, we thought of pioneers. <laughs> and some people want to make that connection, right? With the pioneers, Michonne and all those people, and maybe those are the same people, but where is Michonne? Mm. Forget that shit. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-uh. There's not enough juice there. There's not enough juice to squeeze, right? <laughs> but I do want to bring up something Sharon D's going to like. That instantly reminded me of where Morgan was staying 
in season four. He, this this covered wagon that eventually got the truck. demolished. The truck. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, but it was like a it's like a covered yeah, it was a fabric truck with a tarp tarp over the top of it, like a military truck. Yeah, I, it just I remember it looked like a by the end of it, it looked like a uh, Conestoga wagon by the end of it because it was yeah. all torn apart. And yeah. stuff. So I just thought that was cute. Oh, we're in the same where Morgan stayed. Oh, it's kind of what, I don't know. what it made me think of was with whale ribs. I I don't know why, but like when you see whales, like you know, and they got the big. That's what I thought. It was like yeah, oh, yeah. they're inside of a whale, like a whale skeleton. I, yeah, no, that wasn't what it was, but that was just what it made me think of. The belly of the beast. Oh, okay, Ooh. that's an interesting yes. thing. Okay, to think of. Uh, I want to say that um, I looked up their names, and Me they're, too. Both, they're both Hindi and Sanskrit. Asha means life or hope, and Dev means divine or God. I thought that was kind of cool. The the Asha one rung bells like, oh, Asha kind of look. Yeah, she's kind of got that hope feel to her. Like, uh, that's why Elton's Elton's getting a thing for her now. <laughs> yeah. He's giving up on hope. Exactly. <laughs> yep, that's what I said. Elton found himself a new girlfriend. <laughs> Give it up on hope and. And just jumping on another hope. <laughs> but I also noticed that, like, she kind of wears the same colors as him, mm-hmm. too. So there's there's a bit of a mirror going on with them. I noticed that, too. But you also notice that, like, there is, there's a bit of a weird role reversal, or maybe she is meant to keep his sense of optimism alive, because you feel, after he hears the news, that the home... Because you have to remember where Elton came from. Elton was just wanted to see the world before eventually it would go away. Yeah, He doesn't know when or how. He extrapolates 10 years, 15 years. His mom said 15 years, but that doesn't seem likely. And he's saying 10 years. And he just wanted to do that, come home, and just go back to his life the way before. And I don't think he thought this is the way it was going to be. I just thought that was very crushing. And so when we see the scene, it's like, it makes sense. It makes sense that Elton doesn't know where things land. And then he has Percy's words echoing in his brain. This is not what we want to hear from the, not moral compass, but the heart of the show. This is something I've said before. And wow, it feels like forever. I haven't Spoken about the heart of the show. The beating heart, the thing that makes you feel, the thing that makes you look ahead. Not really the morality, but like where your emotions should sit or where your hope sits is within Elton. Oh, but <laughs> oh, that's kind of cute. What do you guys think? Because like we did just kind of prophesize that Elton is the Carl of the show <laughs> and what happens to, <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, what do you think this is all going to mean? Like, do you think Elton's going to lose his way? I mean, we're talking about reversals. And cynical people like Percy or people that know the world the way it is, the horrific way it probably is by now, are kind of looking at things differently, having a wherewithal to have revenge rather than just surviving. And then so what happens to Elton? I shudder to think because we all kind of like him for that reason, selfish as we are. (laughs) Hmm, That's tough. I think Elton is a realist. I think he... I think you're he like can, a realist optimist. Yeah, I mean, while still being an optimist, yeah, I mean, he like like you said, he doesn't even think the world is going to be around in another ten years. So I think he'll also try to make the best of the time he has left. I mean, whether it's ten years or ten weeks or ten hours, I don't know how long he's going to survive, but. I think he can handle it mentally anyway. I think he's prepared mentally to handle whatever he needs to. Anybody else on this point? Because I do want to throw something else in the in the mix. How much in that sense he resembles John Dory. Uh, see, that's another parallel I was, I wasn't we don't want to make. I didn't Carl, feel it Midori. at the time, and then I just <sighs> felt myself saying it, and then like, yeah. I suddenly just like... Why don't we throw Glenn into the mix, too? <laughs> sure, but like... But the whole Western motif. Oh, With wait, the moral compass. <laughs> Jasmine. I don't, I don't see it. Oh, is it Glenn? Oh, my God. 
Not looking. Okay. All right. Yep. There we go. That's good. <laughs> Not gonna look. So that's that's Negan. So that for the audio podcast, it's Negan with. Is that Glenn next to him? Because it's it's a little blurry. Okay, there we go. It, look, his eyes not popped out, uh, Rach. It's fine. I got a oh, good wait, look earlier. I have an alternate head with the eyes popped out. Yeah, if you she doesn't have that, that but she doesn't have that because she actually is a human being who doesn't want to see that every day. <laughs> no, some some days though, right? When you're feeling very angry. Oh God, it just fell. Okay, you're good, I think. Right? She's gonna put her camera yeah. back. Okay, I'll let you know when it's back. No! <laughs> that was me. That was just Glenn. <laughs> so yeah, I thought of it because he's kind of dressed like in a way, he's kind of like John Dory-ish, and it's kind of like a Western motif out there. But it's also not just the look, it's the wafting into the apocalypse the same way as you are. Even though we know Elton's past is riddled with this horrific origin story of you know, his dad being outside the door as long as he could to protect his son, his son being inside the box and then having to stumble as a child into campus. I had to bring that up again because, because Percy tells him, yeah, you've been behind the walls, you, you privileged snot. And then he's, then you remember as a ba- as a child, a baby. <laughs> that he's walking around hoping to find campus colony with yeah. a little baby Elton. And then and then I, I think of John Dory and wafting into the apocalypse. And I think of, you know, if you don't change, you, you may succumb to this. Or if you're not built for this, if you're not willing to let go of the thing you once did in order to find a ideal self for you to go move forward. I can see Elton continuing to change and adapt because we do we did see a lot of that in the finale for the Walking Dead World Beyond. We did see him have a conflict with his mother and uh, suddenly resolve it and then realize the beauty in the apocalypse, saving Percy instead of letting him die, and which is why he's here now, which could be a problem, which could be a problem <laughs> if we want everything to turn up right. But I just felt like it was a thing we had to do to bring that up and to see these parallels and similarities and and hopefully it'll turn out okay because maybe the show does this thing where it says oh he's done he's walker chum as i think he said before Mm -hmm. but then the show might go oh no or empty (laughs) chum right thank you it could turn out differently i don't want anybody else to turn out like john dory yeah me me neither yeah we want our good guys to survive so that scene where uh percy and elton are being chased through the woods and elton falls in this area of basically dormant walkers. I mean, they at some point just laid down and stayed there long enough for all this moss and everything to grow over top of them. I thought at first maybe Asha and Dev had like put some of this on them, but it was it was too organic and clearly it had grown over these walkers. I just thought, wow, right. like no one's been through here in, in this long that they can just lay down and take a nap for this long? Well, like lurkers too, right? Bringing that, that fact up. But yeah, no, but maybe that's kind of what, what I was trying to say before. I just feel like the world's been decimated to a point where these lurkers, right? Because they are lurkers. Remember how the eye yeah. just kind of opened up the way it did? This is you guys schooling me in the first episode <laughs> of The Walking Dead uh, season 11, uh, which you know occurred not too long ago, eight yep. weeks ago. That little parallel there. But then also like, yeah, like doesn't it go to show that the stadiums that they're building to draw in walkers are not, because especially because this is world beyond. This is the walking dead this is world beyond so most of these walkers that we're encountering are etched into the scenery they're not going to be able to draw all of them in the goal of the almost fruitless goal of of drawing in these walkers is is almost not a great idea it's it's like pointless they're not gonna get them all almost i'm i i commend like i think with most most people like when you see a good character that tries but it's it's fruitless but but then but then yeah it's just not gonna get everything this proves it yeah yeah, well, I mean, yeah. they're never going to get everybody anyway, because even if you 
get all you know all the walkers that are inside the borders or whatever, people will die and turn into walkers <laughs> inside the borders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. always always gonna have well un- unless you know it, it runs its course where eventually whatever happens. But for the time being, you're never gonna be able to get rid of walkers 100. percent Yeah, and, until there's like a cure, cure from the inside of people that mm-hmm. makes it so they don't turn when they die. I think people have should have the ability to walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. That's fine. But I just think there's a good philosopher asshole thing to point out here of okay, this is how it is, and then this is what you're trying to do. I think both things are valid. Is there a way in which we can live in a world? Uh, that where these two things exist I don't know maybe is civilization meant to be re- returned something that Angela Kang said reviving a world that seems like it wasn't meant to be right I don't know well so, yeah I don't think the, the world will ever be what it was but could be something different something better could be something different <laughs> but better I don't have hopes. I don't have hopes as as far as better <laughs> Elton does <laughs> As hopes. As hopes. Hopes. Hey, you know, I'm not against it. I mean, if all three people... <laughs> it's, it's the polyamory question again. Anyway, I, I think it could work out. <laughs> so I love that... Sarcasm, sorry. I love that when Asha put on Elton's suit, the, the green <laughs> bite mark on the arm magically washed away. Was it green? Was there a green bite mark? Well, I didn't see yeah, it. when the, when he got bit, it was all on his arm where he where it bit the toughy stitch, and then when she put mm. and then when she put it on, sleeve was clean. <laughs> yeah, little little observations. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Continu- that happens all the time in shows. I think I caught one. Yeah. He rubbed some oh, all the time on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, turnip. Oh, turnip is okay. great stain remover. So she just rubbed some turnip on it, and it took it right off. Oh, there you we know go. Which one I saw? There we go. You know which one I saw? Do you remember the parallel? I said the mirroring parallel between Maggie and Negan. Uh, how oh, they, yeah. how Negan the gave her the food. Yeah, yeah, and then mm-hmm. they're wearing opposite colors, but they're really doing the same thing, and they're and they're just uh, they're putting food down at the same time. Yeah, he gives it to her in one hand. She has it in her hand. In the next frame, they're both holding it with the other hand. Okay, so it, it's it's weird. So that's another con. Yeah, you know, like that happens you imagine all the bring- time. Yeah, could you yeah. imagine me bringing this up? I mean, it is yeah. relevant to the idea of mirroring <laughs> a little bit, but I realized yeah. that as I was doing the, the, the blog, I was gathering the pictures, and I'm like, oh, how did I miss this? Like, I, I, I saw the, the mirroring, but then like in the next scene, it was a different hand. Yeah. It's like, oh, is she a righty? Is she a lefty? I have no idea. Is he a righty or a lefty? I have no idea. So yeah. anyway, just, just stupid. Just right? little, no, little I, things I, that I like to, that my eyes usually just go to. Like I see these little things that don't line up and it, it means absolutely nothing. It's just something that I observe. That's all. And I laugh. Yeah. And I'm like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there's something that was brought up. I think it was in the beginning of this season and it was kind of interesting and I, we didn't pick up on this and it was the whole Dr. Ellis thing, right? I think it was the second episode, if I'm not mistaken. Ellis, Ellis, Ellis. Well, we've heard of Dr. Ellis before. T. Brooks Ellis. And this is from The Walking Dead. This was supposedly, <laughs> we don't know for sure, Eugene Porter's mentor in the Human Gen- Genome Project. T. Brooks Ellis has a connection to Eugene Porter. He was from Texas. These little things that tie in the greater universe. This <laughs> Texas- Hope's teacher is... T. Brooks Ellis. T. Brooks Ellis. Yeah, Dr. Ellis. He has a human genome poster on his wall behind him. I actually did some research on that. In the classroom? Find anything yeah, in the cl- yeah, right behind his head, too. I didn't find anything interesting, but yeah, was right. When he said, one of these is my screensaver, but I'm not going to say which one, and then it panned over, uh-huh. you can see the human genome poster right behind him. Oh, I got to look closer next time. Oh, I, I want to see it. It shows up a couple times because like, when he has his direct 
di- dialogue with hope yeah. you, you see in the background okay, as well. Okay, so now, so now I want to I want to go back. How do we know that this is T. Brooks Ellis and not a different Dr. Ellis? Where was that confirmed? So basically, it's not one hundred percent, and they're never gonna go one hundred percent. But we have a lot of evidence among the Human Genome Project. The bolo tie that he's wearing, the knot is an RNA is a DNA strand. The double helix. The double helix, that's okay, right. Okay, okay. Right? Okay, right at the knot. He kind of sounds like Eugene a little bit, a little bit. If you if you play it back in your mind, you say, and listen, we're going to see what we want to see. I will fully and readily admit that. <laughs> but if you sound like you're, if you're trying to imitate your mentor, and ma- and he makes these snide little Eugene-ish, kind of, Eugene-ish kind of jokes. Mm. So you're like, oh, this one's my screensaver, but I'm not going to tell you which. Uh-huh. You know, like that kind of, he has kind of like a text, a tiny, almost indecipherable Texas accent too. Kind of like Eugene's, I don't know what the fuck that is, but like, like, let's just pretend it's a Texan accent. John was wearing a bolo tie at the wedding. Mm, (laughs) Damn it. Did it have a double helix? I don't care otherwise. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was to a man and a woman dancing. Mm, Humbug's Gulch had a wedding section. June has it on her hat now. Well, JD. JD has it on her hat now. The The bolo bolo tie. The bolo tie goes through the hat and the, the bolo hook was is her um, tightener thing. I did want to bring up one more thing about T. Brooks Ellis. This was mentioned on The Walking Dead. He happened to have liked uh, Eugene's mullet. That's that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, so. Well, will he be happy to see Eugene's new haircut? I don't know. <laughs> but now it's just... I, I just I shudder to think what would happen when he unties that knot in that ponytail. It's it's, it's like just a mullet or a mullet. I was just gonna say now it's like a professional mullet. Like the longer it gets, it's just yeah. more pro. Now, now he, uh, maybe he'll do like a top knot thing and then just go on top of itself. It's be a top knot on top knot top knot. Yeah. Oh God, no! Eugene you, cannot pull Eugene off Eugene is top not knot. a mullet anymore. It's not a mullet anymore. It's like a. That's like a swordfish or something. In this episode, we do see a bunch of moments where Hope often thinks about her family. And I feel like this mirrors a little bit what was going on with Silas, like undetectably with Silas. Silas looking at his bandage in the last episode, reminding himself of why he's out there. And it wakes Hope up when she's in the classroom, seeing the, the, the two people out in the hallway holding each other, you know, hugging each other as they're walking or, you know, whatever. I don't know what that's called. I don't know. Words. And uh, it reminds her of Iris and her emerging from the BOG, finally come back to the crowd. And then later on, we see at the Jenga game, when she when she wins the game or when Mason topples the Jenga blocks, we notice that it reminds her of the, the tires that fell at the BOG just as they're leaving Silas, almost sacrificing himself for them to be saved. And then that gets her to snap back up and go, hey, I need to take care of this shit because I said, you know, we said we were going to all be safe together. Or she says, actually, literally in the flashback, Iris saying to her, because that's what we do. We protect each other and we always will. And so that's like, okay, we got to do something about this. My dad, if he doesn't shut the fuck up, is going to get himself into a... I know how this works. You know, he's going to get himself in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. So we got to do this now before he... Because he's mad. I don't want to feel like I'm... First of all, I don't want to feel like I'm holding things back from him. Let's just get this done and be over with. You know, and they don't... Neither one of them know about the questions that Will and Romano were asking and how much trouble that got them into. Wait, neither one of whom? Hope and Leo don't know what happened with Will and Romano. There is another Hope and Silas parallel. When Mason asks Hope if she wants to come to the party and gives her the directions, it's in the basement, etc. Mm-hmm. It is exactly what Hope said to Silas in 101 when she invites him to the party. Hope and Iris, which I thought was cute. <laughs> but yeah, I was actually trying to see if it was the same exact time, the same exact like room-ish mm-hmm. sort of thing. Not, definitely yeah. not. 
Yeah. I actually checked. This, maybe this was the thing that made me so late to this rec- <laughs> recording. It, it wasn't. It took two seconds. I like that Mason gave us a little more information about the research facility in relation to the CR, to Portland. We know that these kids live at the research facility. He is away from his family that are currently in the CR. So what we're seeing is not the CR. Right. I yeah. 100% agree. Mm-hmm. This is what we were saying first episode, second Even episode? Said I can't tell you where it is. Yeah. Right. As a matter yeah. of course, right. We yeah. can't tell which... Per- yeah, so... But that it is a republic. It is a s- string of small settlements scattered around the U.S. Maybe to Iris's point, when we see the first image of the question marks all across the United States, I'm not saying all the question marks re- represent this and that. I'm just saying it's kind of cool that she picks up on... That it, it's not a single place. It is a string of places. I thought that that's kind of cool. The Civic Republic doesn't make that clear, that they're spread across the world. Iris and them figure it out. Iris figures it out way before she even sees the map of all the resources with her drawing in the beginning of the first episode, which is kind of cool. It's just a thought that I had while, while you were talking about this. But one of the bigger points is, hey, we got all this equipment from Portland that just magically appeared. Hmm. Did your mind go where my mind went? Of like, we weren't entirely clear what happened if Portland is still in existence, even though at the time, at the same time that Omaha was being destroyed, Portland was trying to get in contact with them. And it could be that Portland bit the dust shortly thereafter. There's no reason not to think that. I'm comfortable with that. Even though there's a bit of a bit going against me on that one, because I just remembered that they sent Mills out to Portland because that Portland was asking questions about the lack of communications. So we don't know that they were trying to shut Portland up, but we know that they have their equipment. And then if we're to follow the logic, because it's been one and a half months or plus, whatever, maybe. Did Lila tell Leo that Dr. Abbott went back to Portland? Yes, in the first season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Leo doesn't have... So Leo is a teacher. So we have to kind of square the circle because it seems like Lila is down the, the bowels. Because like you said in the last episode, it seems like Lila isn't showing hope, everything. The, she's showing hope, you know, this is with the desk where I sit, it's dead, but, but she doesn't show her the end. But hope, but lo and behold, hope figures it out. What is this N6? She didn't use this N6 badge here. She saw the soldier checking in there. She didn't see, I don't think she saw her use, I think she saw her use something to get into her office, but it was like a swipe card, not a RF card like the one she's wearing now she seems to have more than one card yeah yeah i'm saying yeah so i think she hope already knows that there's something deeper to this facility that is not being spoken about which i think hope is going to tell leo this maybe later on that oh are you sure that she's doing this and this and that are you sure she's not she doesn't have a podcast pulverizing (laughs) episodes of the walking after hours that she's not telling you about because that's where my mind went like like after your day job you go to your day job yeah yeah The only other thing I was going to say, and I think it's pretty obvious, but the underground lab where Lila is working directly with Dr. Walker Abbott, clearly Leo has no idea that this space even exists. I wonder if there are any other doctors besides Lila who are allowed down there or if this is just her area. I would have to agree that because she seems like CR pretty much. Mm hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. She didn't say she was from Portland, right? Oh, no. Abbott's from Portland. Correct. So, there we go. I think we see this, and I'm not quite sure. Now that you're bringing this up, Rach, I'm not quite sure. We didn't see Hope look at a door panel behind Lila in her office that may lead to something else, which could be the other facility. Were we... Or the Sorry, the deeper lab. Were we in Lila's office or in Leo's office? 
Good point. It was Leo's yeah, I don't office. Know if they're working. It was Leo's. It was yeah. Leo's she, office. she gave hope. She gave hope directions down the hall, and last one and on the left is Hope's Leo's office. Picture was on the desk. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Or unless Lyle, unless Lila is obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody else is with Me. hope. <laughs> well, could they could they maybe share an office? Could she have another desk in that room, and maybe they share the room? I think they share a desk. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, Can you I, imagine? Like he's on the lap. I the- think that would be a <laughs> terrible, terrible idea. I don't think you should I ever guys, share a desk with anyone. Don't don't shit where you eat, even after the apocalypse. Even you know? even really? me and my husband have separate computer desks. <laughs> <laughs> Just doesn't work out. Nope, we can't Not share. Good. No good. No bueno. <laughs> I, I, I want to go back to this this party. That uh, the party or distraction from the distraction from the distraction yeah. that Mason is throwing. There is a bit of somberness, but then within the somberness is just sick and twisted shit. The banner for Omaha, basically Omaha's insignia, which is, I, I like, it's beautiful. But then the more I'm looking at it, I just look down a little bit and it's on a Walker neutralization tank. I was thinking to myself, I know oh, what? it's too... What is a that? Nu- a neutral neutralization tank. What is that? To neutralize, to neutralize... Walkers. It's a walker vat. Neutralize walkers. Like, I th- like that's you what I think. Throw when them I th- in there. I'm, con- I'm still, con- I'm not understanding. <laughs> I, I guess to neutralize the wall, but I don't think. It, let's say it's not even that. Okay. They they neutralized Omaha. Oh oh okay okay. That's the the greater connection here. Okay. Listen, my I thought your brain would be more like mine, Rachel. Like, <laughs> let's just throw the walkers in the tank. And let they're still moving inside. Then we press a button and they just go. Yeah, <sighs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, you were thinking the same thing I was. Okay. Okay, fine. I just wanted to make sure that was where I should be going. It was just a little twisted. Like, I know they don't know, but it's also like a, maybe it's the writers going, let's just throw this in there. See if they pick <laughs> up on it. <laughs> we neutralized Omaha. So it's, it's a little, it's so sick though. I like Mason and I know I'm not supposed to like Mason because he's going to be like, he's got like a, a side plan, I know. <laughs> but he's so nice. Oh, okay, why? Let's drill down on the why. First of all, is he cute? Yes, I know, I get it. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. It's the, this is about it's me. the curly it's hair. Like, <laughs> I, it's it's the demeanor to me. I think you know, like the yeah. the uh, not aw shucks, but like he makes mistakes and then he makes up for it. I like that. Like yeah. he'll he'll mea culpa. I, there's something charming about that. Are you saying that? There's something charming about him, but I shouldn't trust him. Or maybe, maybe we could. Yeah, like, I know I shouldn't trust him, but, like, I want to. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Because I think it's going to go to a greater point that I'm, I definitely want to touch on. We are going to touch on the idea that there's a very, very clear indicator that Hope may end up seeing the idea of second chances. I, I know Iris talks about this, second chance. This is she Because when, when she's telling Percy, when Iris is telling Percy... Uh, you know, it's a shame about your uncle. And knowing that my sister is out there, Hope, I- I'm just I'm just trying to look at the future. I'm trying to look at just second chances. You know, I'm trying to move on. And it's odd that, you know, you have this person here who's bent on revenge for the loss of his uncle. And this person here who has the potential to lose everything, you know, like, or everybody's, but like slowly all these people are coming back in. So she's kind of lucky, like <laughs> Elton and Percy, you know, like, and, and like, oh, when does Silas show up? <laughs> we don't know, but probably soon. Yeah. But I like Iris's attitude. I like the ideas, okay. 
I, I, I like it, but I know it's weird because when you lose somebody, your first thought is like, oh, I'm going to get that motherfucker, right? And so, but Iris is thinking, okay, we have to move on. We have to keep going. What are you looking for, Iris? Is your whole thing, we should live to hit them back? Because Iris is going to eat her words eventually at some point. Iris is going to definitely have to eat her words. Oh, you thought Tony dying at the hands of Huck is, is bad. You know, are, are you going to eat your words later when it comes to the CR? I feel like that's going to be the main source of conflict between Hope and Iris. Yeah. I, Hope sees the indiscretions. She knows the indiscretions, but she may decide that, you know what, it is what it is and we have to move on. Hope, that's, that's, that happened. Hope might try to justify these indiscretions too and say that it's an acceptable loss because of what this place is doing for the future of the world. What they're doing is important. If it can lead to completely wiping out the active walkers anyway, it is important. They're doing what they feel like they need to to protect that future. So they are wrong, but they're not wrong. Right. They're, they're very wrong. <laughs> the kernel of what they're about is not wrong, right? Yes. I could definitely see Iris and Hope butting heads over this. Iris is out for revenge. They did this and that, and I want to kill them all. And Hope's going to be like, whoa, pump the brakes here, sis. Uh, they're actually building to something really important. We can't wipe them all out. Right. And so we need to watch both Percy and Iris very closely because they, they are of the same bent and they are moving in the same direction one on a smaller scale mm. huck will iris in seeing how percy deals with huck will she take that and extrapolate that onto the greater crm we have to see how that shakes out does she have an ally in percy in that respect or maybe in her seeing how percy deals with huck she may decide the pattern recognizing part in her brain that may decide revenge isn't worth it maybe she'll walk it back maybe yeah. they'll maybe hopefully maybe iris and hope We'll be on the same page. But why? Why hopefully, right? Because there's a part of you that's like, is the horror too great or is the revenge too great? Is the CRM well, too big no. to topple? Should they be toppled? Yeah. Is the big question, right? No, you're right. Iris can keep pushing forward too much in, her, in her quest for revenge because if anything, it's going to get her killed. And I'm fine with that. So go on. Press, or, press, or, push on, Iris. Or Leo killed. Mm. Oh, God, having that on her conscience, too? Maybe. I'm possibly. I'm throwing it out there, but... So, so. do you think they would just... Because Leo was on the same bench. Do you think they would... Oh, oh, okay. You're saying Leo would get himself killed. Okay, not... But I guess, you know, like the candle burning at both ends, right? Like you have this person working out this angle and Leo working on a different angle. Yeah. And then what if the CR goes, hey, uh, Iris, is that your name, Iris? <laughs> uh, if you don't stop, your father's on the chopping block. Or we pull a Negan. We kill one to save millions, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and which is not which is not a small cost. It's like okay, seven <laughs> or how many? How many people won the lineup? Ten, seven? I forget. The Negan lineup is what I'm referring to. Aaron, Sasha. I think there was ten. Abraham, Glenn, Maggie, Rick, Carl, Rosita, Eugene, Daryl. Daryl and Eugene. Eugene. We're moving into a space where, where okay, maybe, maybe the CRA says, hey, I will gladly kill Leo. And maybe I did. I just killed Leo. So you shut, you stop. You stop it right now, Iris, with your revenge shit. Why don't they kill Iris? They will definitely find out that she's also a genius too. Now, and it may be, they think she's dead right now. They think uh, she's but, dead. Oh, yeah, because they keep looking. Well, no, because they're looking for Felix and Iris. Right, they know that no, Will is dead, out. or they th they think Will is dead. Yeah, they think, I think Will is dead. One of dead. those, one of those was supposed to look like Iris. One of no. the one the of other the dead one, the other one was the CRM soldier the CRM. That, that Iris mm -hmm. killed. They made it look yeah. like Will killed that guy instead of Iris. Yeah, they were finding the the build of 
Will so that they can get Will off the trail so he's okay. Um, but yeah, Iris. To be, Iris, no. <laughs> to be fair, I thought mm-hmm. the same thing Sharon D did. I'm like, did that other body yeah. look a lot like Iris? And it was yeah. Eric who pointed out, no, it was the CRM soldier that Iris killed. And I went, oh yeah, that makes more mm-hmm. sense. Ugh. Yeah. That, and I, and I brought, <laughs> why didn't I? Why not take a screenshot? Uh, no, because that's I was confused until I second watched and noted. Yeah. That yeah, that's that's what they were trying to do. That's oh. Their bodies, but the you know if we don't pick them up, the bodies will wash them out or whatever. It doesn't matter. But we talk a lot about second chances. It was brought up a couple of times. Dr. Ellis brings it up. Hey, this is a second chance for you to to hope to uh, contribute or to do. I forget. He said something about second chances that made me think of the end scene with Percy. Revenge. That you know will. Percy see this as an opportunity to get a second chance at looking at life a different way or second chance at getting back at Huck or so there's a lot of second chances here. But then will that make it so that Iris eats her words? Because they may subvert our expectations. Maybe they will have Iris up until a certain point get revenge over the CR. And then they'll say, no, no, no. But then they're, they're going to find a way to bring her in so that Hope and Iris can naturally have some sort of conflict against one another, even though she says in the background, says like, yeah, that's what we do. We're supposed to protect one another. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of them will forget. Maybe both of them will forget. So when it comes to the party, there was one particular thing about the choice they made about the Jenga blocks. I decided on a lark to, to actually Google the significance of Jenga and where the root of the word comes from, where the root of the game comes from. So Jenga is derived from a Swahili word called kujenga, which is to build. Even though the object is to make someone responsible for collapsing the structure, the Jenga structure, each block is unique. So each individual is unique to make up the structure. So you got the CR, right? The individual little settlements and whatever that make up the CR. Aren't all the Jenga blocks the same? They look the same. They're about the same, but they're little imperfections in the blocks themselves. Well, I mean, I mean the wood, the wood grain itself would be different too. I mean, if you wanted to get the technical. Wood, but there's even like to the point where there's micro variations in the dimensions, micro variations that make them different. They, they look almost exactly the same. But like the original Jenga intent was to say, okay, but everyone's a little different. Okay. Everyone is a little different. Everybody working together to make the same thing. And when you take like, one away, the whole was... thing comes tumbling down. Well, not if you play it right. Well, <laughs> remember uh, last episode you were saying... You play it terribly. Um, <laughs> that it could just take the one the one really smart person to bring the whole CRM toppling down. Yeah, so it only takes one irresponsible smart person. Maybe like Mason illustrating what Kublik was talking about uh, where she throws her out in the wild. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, you get it, but you need to get it a little bit more. That you, we, you need this. You need to be a part of a big collective. I just thought it was interesting that it's to build and yet it's to topple. The goal is to shift responsibility to someone in order to win. There's something to play with there. I just was thinking how how beautiful of an explanation that is. And the only takeaway I had was next time I play Jenga, I'm writing commands on the blocks, like blindfolded, right. on one foot, something like yeah, we play <laughs> we play Jenga all the time. So I'm writing on the blocks. You've never now. played you never played that with, with, with those rules? No. Oh, we just play so regular Jenga. In bars, some of these bars that I've gone to and we play Jenga, every one of them has something. So you have to do recite the ABCs on one foot or some stupid thing. Well, you you play that too, Jasmine? We have it in our flat, but the but the tiles are like really personal. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> it's it can get really, really bad. Like some of them are just outright like, okay, this game is making me really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean not that level. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 
I, I hang out in the rough streets of Brooklyn. <laughs> I just thought that was really cool. Hope's face as she's drinking the nasty wine. That's just a little observation I had. I just thought that was kind of cute. Because like, oh, what you guys call this alcohol? Ooh, Sarah's been brewing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Wait, we, Mason is Sarah's kid? Mason Rabinowitz? Uh. <laughs> That'd be something. Okay, so I want to connect all of this to the song that plays near the beginning when Dennis and Huck are getting it on. It's called It Takes Only One Night, and it keeps popping up. Not the song itself, but the idea. It Only Takes One Night by the Dum Dum Girls. This wait, is wait, wait, literally wait. describing the Dum Dum Girls. That's the name of the band. Yeah. That's what Will calls Walkers. Dum Dums. <gasps> High five. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I see that. Okay. So they're zombie girls. Okay, cool. The whole song revolves around the idea of every time you go out, you have this like secret life. I know your heart is in mine, but I don't know where you're at and my mind is going crazy. But then I, then I wonder when you come home where you've been. Perfect for Huck and Agent Dennis. Hope describes this to Huck near the end of this episode where she says, yeah, she's, uh, where Huck is saying, yeah, just, we'll just wait until the morning when I, when I'm scheduled to go on patrol and I can sneak you out there. If I have to do this unannounced and this is going to have consequences, then it, it raises suspicion. Like, why, what are you doing out here? So, but if she's doing it naturally, it'll be fine. But then Hope raises the thing like, okay, I'm just came from this thing. I just got triggered from the Jenga blocks falling. Mm -hmm. It happened one night. Yeah. In one night, Omaha was decimated. Campus Colony was destroyed. And Portland is, is done. <laughs> Again, I've, I've very, I'm very scared for Portland right now because, like, I look, what's done is done with Omaha and Campus Colony, but come on, Portland, <laughs> come on. But I see that this has consequences because I don't know about you. Something we said in the last couple episodes about how the CR, at least the CRRF operates, they let Leo go on with the ruse of him getting away with communications with the campus colony. And I'm sure that the reason why there aren't as many guard dogs, which they kind of also brought back in the lead up to this episode, I expected more watchtowers and guard dogs. Mason could be one of those watchtowers as a person. Okay. One of the things I thought about when Huck was at the checkpoint was seeing this person, this Corporal Pierce, who, who took did over take over Huck's her duties. Yeah. In light of me saying, okay, in this facility or in these facilities, maybe they let you get away with things to see the full extent of your ruse and then they get you. Mm -hmm. So it's not enough to catch you in the act. You go, oh, okay. She hits the thing. She's like, okay, hope is in there. Okay, so let's let them go and let them do the thing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just feel like that's what's happening here. But what do you guys think? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Did you guys think that at first as well? Or what, what, what did you think about oh, that whole yeah. scenario? Oh, yeah. I thought there was a little bit of maybe, maybe a little bit of jealousy that Huck is back. And now Corporal Pierce is basically on like <laughs> back to guard duty instead of working side by side with EK. So, but I also see what you're saying. And I thought the same thing. She knows Huck is up to something but she's going to let her follow through with it. Now, I wonder if she's going to go back to EK right now and tell her, hey, Huck's doing something shady, or if she'll wait till she gets back and then try and get some information from Huck instead of ratting her out right away. Yeah, yeah and that's that's kind of where I'm going with that. Why in the show would somebody give their name if not to see them later mm -hmm. so in some capacity, right? Mm -hmm. The absence of Kublik in this episode is very interesting, mm -hmm. I think, too. Uh, maybe she's left so that the mice can play and she's observing them from a distance also. Well, Could Leo says, what is Leo says where she is? What, did, I don't, what does Leo say? I don't, I don't remember. She's off on official CR business. Oh, that's it? It that's wasn't it. more specific? Okay, okay, never mind. I thought he Instead, said but in, specifically. In place, of, in place of searching for I, Felix, Felix and Iris, and Iris yeah. Okay. And, and Will. What well, if she yeah. has gone to supervise the destruction of Portland 
Because how long would it take? If it took three days to march a column from Omaha to Campus Colony, how long would it take to march a column from Campus Colony to Portland? Six weeks, maybe? Hmm. That's pretty far. If that, or maybe that's already happened and she's on her way back. Because, I mean, they have all the stuff. So, Or maybe that stuff is from the irradiated. Maybe they have a nuclear missile silo also. Yeah. they have the same situation Ooh. like in Omaha, right? Oh boy. I know that we just talk about Corporal Pierce and that the whole ruse thing, and then they end up showing up in Perimeter Colony, and then Percy has his knife out with tears in his eyes. Poor Percy. And so <laughs> let's talk about that before I move up back onto Leo in his con- confrontation with Huck. Okay. I, I wonder how she's going to convince Hope to leave Iris and Felix behind and return to the RF. That was my thought. Now that she's seen her sister and she's seen Felix, how, how is Huck going to get her back in that truck to take her back. I also wondered who these other people Huck brought with her are. Who are these other people with them? They weren't in the truck when they left the facility. You're talking about the two people with the spears? It looked like there were four people with Huck and Hope and then other people standing out. They were like facing each other. Okay, so who I mistook for other soldiers were probably perimeter residents just like like just sort of surrounding them like what are you doing here? Or they, they could be, oh, our savior, Jennifer Malika, is here. Oh, yeah. It's like, welcome home, hero who saved us. From- <laughs> I just can't give it up. I, I, I just can't give it up. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't getting that feeling, though, oh, at all. Oh, hey, though. Let's assume that Jennifer Malik saved all these people, or most of the people that are there, yeah, right? some of them. At least a, a hefty handful from the episode that we saw. <laughs> and assuming that this tale is true, and I hoped god it is otherwise i'd be so mad how would they feel about percy trying to get revenge over huck right Mm -hmm. this is a problem right and if they hear that jennifer did something wrong to their uncle first of all would they believe percy and huck denied it there's a there's a whole bunch of array of possibilities and even if they even if they hear the truth they still would be like yeah you saved us so sorry percy that makes percy right about this is how the world is right and these popularity contests these these people for argument's sake we're gonna say that Huck survivors are are among these people. So they've seen Huck kill for good. So if Percy comes out and is like, she killed my uncle, they're going to think, well, he probably deserved it. Yeah, yeah, or there was probably a good reason behind yeah. it. Yeah, or well, I mean, not only, something. Not only that, but what kind of shitstorm would it call down on them if Huck was hurt in their... In the perimeter, oh, yeah. Which makes Brody right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Even though you're like, even though they paint him in the, in these episodes where we see him as like, oh, God, this, this is one of those guys you absolutely hate. Like, it's like, just come on, guys. <laughs> Why, he, more, more people, more mouths to feed. Oh, come on, burr. You know, like, so... <laughs> right, but at the end of the day, is he wrong? No, not really. Like you guys are endangering us. What? The, come on. <laughs> Again, subverted expectations. Right? You're like you're n- not supposed to like Iris. Or you're not supposed. To- <laughs> 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 no one likes Iris. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Does anyone like Iris? Is she a likable character? I, I I'm don't. I'm nonplussed. I don't care. Okay. One of the positives of this episode is that Iris isn't in it mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when she came on screen, although I did, I did find the reunion between Elton and Iris quite sweet. Though. It was. That's like the one. It was so sweet, wasn't it? Until she saw Percy and basically yeah. shoved Elton to the side and was like, "Get the fuck yeah, out of exactly. my way, my man's home." Yeah, no, I didn't like that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, <laughs> I don't know where we go. I do know where we go from here. I do want to bring up one, one more point. This is the point that caught me off guard. When Leo confronts Huck, I saw a man who was bent. He's like, first of all, 
whatever's going on, my daughter is lying to me. Mm. It's not something that she does. Like, even if she does wrong, she tells me about it. This is something that she says, trust me. But he's worked up enough to go, I don't know how to protect my daughter. I don't know how to give a distraction from the distraction. I don't know what to do. Everybody's lying to me. Where's my other daughter? I was happy knowing that she was safe in Campus Colony. Well, what's the deal? Uh, yeah. But then it suddenly occurred to me, what if Leo is like the avatar of all the other fathers with daughters from Omaha and Campus Colony who aren't alive anymore? And I saw him, the, ra- the anger of these ghosts, knowing, first of all, Huck knowing that she is responsible. I, I say this because in light of her just coming out of that, what, what do you call it? Not a quorum, but a, uh, a hearing or whatever, because she just got clemency because clemency means you did something wrong but now you are absolved of it. And then you walk right into to Leo and he goes, you're not absolved. Mm. You're responsible for a great damage that has been done to my family. Mm-hmm. But then it, there's a greater point of all the, the bad you, you did to, in order to do good caused a genocide, a mass genocide. And I am the, I am the ghost of that mass genocide. And it really, when it hit me, I, I just, it almost got overwhelmed by the thought. This touches on a very, very interesting point that we bring up sometimes, that sometimes in jest, but like things like Ezekiel's relationship to Carol. We don't really get to feel over long periods of time. Ah. Things that we don't, Leah's relationship with Daryl, because we don't, we're not there. We're not constantly there, as opposed to things like seeing Glenn and Maggie's relationship develop, that sort of thing. And so when you get to have these moments where you can sort of touch on the the enormity of what this thing was, this massive extinction of people who had lives and a chance at something extinguished in Leo. I thought that was a brilliant move because his anger was palpable. He was undeterred. He was like, whatever you decide to fucking call yourself. And then I thought in my moment when he said, whatever you decide to call yourself, clemency? Clemency? Really? And so as much as we love Huck, Huck is having a bad day. Huck is going to end up getting it from all sides. And I think there's a weird thing going on here where even as she's talking to Dennis, having this clarity of knowing you made a mistake, but it ended up working out in where something good happened from it. Like I destroyed a bunch of a ton of lives, even though it's not directly her fault. But she, in that mistake that she's trying to make up for, more good things came out of it as a result. Like, I managed to save these people's lives. It's a lot to wrap your mind around, but I'm glad you could, they could bring you to the point where you understand the enormity, not in just words, like in feelings, in, in Leo's feelings. And I thought that was nice. It was a good touch yeah. on second watch in notes yeah. and stuff. I... I, don't know if, I don't know if the viewers really got it, though. I don't, I'm not sure, but I feel like... That's something to hit on because we have to understand how big that is. And it's easy to gloss over, especially in a world of selfishness and trying to survive like Percy. Okay, maybe that's the world is. Shit. So med, med student, let's talk about, well, you have to explain what we're seeing. <laughs> so go ahead. Okay. Glycolysis. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no. Well, for the audio podcast. Yeah. So Jasmine showed what glycolysis is. Let's pause the steps. Yeah. Okay. So, but basically, I wanted to bring this up because it's basically high school biology and they're making out like it's a super big deal <laughs> even though commercially yeast is known to be used in decomposition so it's like completely obvious thing but then also they described the science wrong like them two were having like an argument about the science but they were both wrong explain how they're wrong they were like arguing about like the carbons and stuff you're breaking down glucose which is a six carbon molecule so ultimately you're going to end up with two ethanol and two carbon dioxide and like hope was all like oh you get one carbon dioxide and two ethanol and mason said mason 
was like you get two carbon dioxide and one methanol. So they were both <laughs> ethanol. They were both wrong. It's actually so two and two. Her. So was yeah, it's actually two. Because he sided with hope. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe the whole point of this is that everybody's so, kind of bullshitting themselves. <laughs> but, yeah. the, but like that. This is this is this is like like a little like problem with like World Beyond is like they're making out that these two girls are like geniuses and then they're using an example of basic high school biology to explain why they're geniuses. <laughs> I want to touch on the one thing that that Hope said though about NADH. Does that have any sort of significance in this conversation? In glycolysis, you reduce NAD plus to make NADH, and then. When you actually get your pyruvate, you then convert that to acetylate, which then you oxidize using your NADH that's made in the glycolysis to make your ethanol. This is why she explains that, oh, it ends up in two ethanols, right? At the end of the process? Because that's, that's how yeah. I was trying to follow. This kind of brings up an interesting point. So is this something that we should say they didn't get the science right and this is something that, that they actually actually don't know what they're talking about? Or do we... Do we just say, oh, maybe everybody's bullshitting everybody and nobody has a f an effing clue? Because it's a very important point because you'll have people like you come in and say, all of this science is wrong, but I don't know if it's just the show or if this is for real, everybody's bullshitting everybody. Maybe T. Brooks Ellis is bullshitting everybody much in the way Eugene did too. Yeah. So it's important to bring up, I don't know if we're going to get the answer though, right? If you think about it. Even if they did have the science right, because they only like really messed up one thing. I just don't see how like this is like some huge revelation. Mm -hmm. If they bring this forward and they like be like, oh yeah, Hope cured everything with this. I think it's surprising because they hadn't thought of using the process before in terms of trying to break down the decelerated comp uh, decomposition. First of all, because they don't know what, what properties support this weird lack of cell decomposition. That's really the point. What Leo had been pursuing as an option was fungal. You know, he was using fun various mycelial uh, strands to... Yeah, that's, that's what yeast is. Yeast is a mycelial strand? Is, is fungus? It's a type of fungus. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. Something... I thought it was a bacteria. Oh, but it eats bacteria, right? No, or yeah, is that yeah? Well, it feeds on bacteria. No, the bacteria feeds on the yeast. Oh, okay. Oh, because the bacteria makes the enzymes that's responsible for fermentation. I see. I see. Because depending on the bacteria present, you can either do what humans do and make lactate, or you can do what plants and yeast and like other fungi do and make your ethanol. Hmm. I see. Okay. So wait. So hold on. So basically, Hope is almost in her own way still contradicting her dad using a, a different area of approach, like an, the exact opposite area of approach, using the process of fermentation to break down things rather than what Leo's trying to do, which is speed up the process. Like try, just trying Maybe. to speed up yeah. the process that's already happening. He's not making more food. If you think of like the human body being made of like glucose and sugars, the whole process of decomposition is breaking down them glucose and sugars into like carbon dioxide and other chemicals. So. What he's trying to do is do that faster. So the way you're gonna, you want to do that is you want to get more of them enzymes, which are produced by the bacteria. So you want more bacteria. So the presence of yeast grows that bacteria faster. Ah. So it accelerates the oh, so so thereby accelerating the decomposition. Yes. Yeah. Essentially, which more bacteria, more enzymes, faster decomposition. Which looks like it's working, at least with that walker in the last episode. Which uh, did you get to see the picture in the in the blogs? Or it's well, the blogs not up yet, but the in the. Uh, in the ep the visual episode because I put it up. I, I auto colored it so you can actually see the skull clearer because it looked like just the skull. Ooh. It was kind of weird for the BO4 that was in the 
apparently the, oh. it's called a neutralization facility. Okay. The one that, that uh, yeah. Agent Dennis had all tied up? Agent Dennis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tied up and brought back to the RS, CRRF. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was on the form. I actually get to see that now. Yeah. I got a mushroom joke for you. <laughs> Since we're talking about fungus, what did the mushroom say to his friends when they wouldn't play with him? Come on, I'm a fun guy. <laughs> and with that, everybody, if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash dead. Five stars and eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. But let us know after every episode what we got right, what we got wrong, how much you love Iris, how little you do. Uh. <laughs> after every episode so that the world knows, but also so that we know. And if you really, really enjoy what we're doing and you want to get in on the action on what we're doing behind the scenes, let's say you want to attend a recording or get the unedited version of this podcast, why don't you head on over to ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead and just follow us. You don't have to tip us or buy us a coffee and get 30 days of supporter back content. You don't have to join a membership tier. It's just a good way of trying to see what's going on behind the scenes because we rarely post that stuff on the internet except when there's an interview and we say, hey, maybe you want to get on on this. <laughs> you want to attend the audience on this one? Because that's what you can do. You attend the audience in our recording sessions. You attend the audience in our interviews. And it's a fun time in general. You get to ask questions of us. But you also get to ask questions of our guests as well. So... You don't, again, don't have to buy anything. You don't have to join our membership tier like Jasmine did. The Survivor's here, which is a very limited position, who got to host with us because of it. Think about it. And yes. with that, everybody, I've been your host, David Cameo. I was joined by Cosmom Zero and I, Rachel Burt, Charity, aka Blazy Gardner, and Survivor's tier member, Jasmine. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Take care. That was, by the way. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. The third episode of the second and final season of The Walk Dead World Beyond, titled Exit Wounds. This episode has been brought to you by our Survivors tier members, one of which who joined us in this episode, a perk you receive when you join the Survivors tier at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. Uh, but the other Survivors tier members who weren't present, who could have been present, well, if not for the time zone, are at Whispers UK on Instagram, at Lisa Jones seventy one on Instagram. But let's not forget our Whispers tier member who also receive credits at the end of these episodes. Uh, at Aiden the Raven on Twitter and at Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram at Tyler Philip Cox on both Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget his YouTube channel, Let's Taco About the Dead. Yes, taco. As well as at fanart underscore Lindy on Instagram, as well as ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy. And let's not forget, last but certainly not least, at judith.morton on Instagram as well. Thank you so much for making it. Uh, please remember to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. After every single episode, it lets the world know that we're worth listening to, as well as a good way of letting us know when we got something right, whether we got something wrong, and just plain saying hi. You know, we're human beings. <laughs> we appreciate the feedback. In this world, in this attention economy, it is good to know where we stand and 
that you still love us and that others should love us as well. Uh, and while you're at it, if you want to be a tier member that follows us and gets to know what happens behind the scenes, gets credits and perks and all that lovely stuff, or if you just want to know what's happening behind the scenes and when you feel like it, you can pounce on something, maybe even tip us and get 30 days of access rather than continuous, head on over to ko-fi.com slash dead and just follow us. This lets you know when we do something cool, like record an episode and you could join the real-time chat, or you could go as far as to join the survivors tier and become a junior host like Jasmine was today. Thank you so much. I've been your host, David Cameo. I was joined by Cosmo Mom 9 Rachel Burt, and Sharon D, aka Blazer Gardner, as well as, of course, Jasmine, our survivors tier member. We will see you in the next one. <laughs>